Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Think about the last 10 people who had some kind of interaction with you. Do you think they came away refreshed, encouraged, strengthened, or drained? Do you lift people up or drag people down? Call the elders to come to your house and anoint you with oil. Now, what's the oil about there? I mean, James just throws that out there. No explanation, just oil. There's all kinds of theories about what that's about. Roman Catholic Church uses this verse to support what they call extreme unction, uh, the part of the last rites where they do that when someone's dying. The problem with that is this passage isn't about preparing someone for death. It's about healing. The person's supposed to be healed, right? So that doesn't work. Another theory is that this is a medicinal use of oil. Because the thing you have to understand, back then, oil was the cure-all for everything. They treated, I mean, headaches, paralysis, wounds, everything. They put oil on everything. They just thought it cured everything. And so some people have said, maybe it's just a medicinal use. And that would fit the terminology that James uses here for anoint, because there's two different words for anoint. One of them is the religious sense of anointing, but the other one just means to rub, literally to rub oil on someone, like a topical ointment, and it's used in, in just physical context. So people have said, well, maybe it's maybe it's just medicine here. The problem with that view is that it's not the oil that heals. James is very clear about where the healing comes from. It doesn't come from the oil. It comes from what? The prayer of faith. Verse 15, prayer of faith will make the sick person well. Secondly, it does sound to me like this is a religious anointing and not just a medicinal physical thing because it says, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 14. Plus, if this were just a medical treatment, again, you would expect a doctor. Why would you have the elders applying medicine? You do, do it. It was one a doctor to do that. Probably the reason James uses this particular word for rubbing instead of the religious word is because that religious word, every time that word for anointing is used in the New Testament, it's always metaphorical. It's never actual literal oil. And so if James wants there to be literal physical oil actually put on the person, this would be the right word to use. Uh, again, the only other place where this, these two words are used together, the anointing and the oil in the New Testament, are in that Mark 6.13 passage about uh, miraculous healing. The 72 drove out the demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So, we use oil, but why? What's the point of this oil? I believe what James is calling for here is a literal, physical anointing for a symbolic reason. Okay? It's a symbolic part. Just like baptism, just like the Lord's Supper. Right? Baptism, literal water for a spiritual purpose. Lord's Supper, literal elements, bread and drink for a spiritual symbolic purpose. So the oil is the same thing. It's a, it's a literal oil, but it's, it's, got, it's got a spiritual meaning. What is the spiritual reality that it points to? I mean, what reality? What does it symbolize? What would naturally come to the mind of the readers when they think of, of oil? Two things. One, I've already mentioned, healing. I mean, they just associate oil, that's how you heal everything. So they, it would, it's a great symbol for healing. And obviously in the context, that would fit. But I think there's another thing in mind here. 
Anointing with oil is also part of just their daily routine and hygiene and refreshment. And we don't think of this because we don't just put oil on our heads, you know, but they did. And you can see this many times in Scripture. James, as I said, he borrows his language mainly from Jesus. And so if you want to know what he means by a word, you look at how Jesus used that word. Well, if you look up anointing, which you'll, you'll end up in Matthew six sixteen, this word for anointing, where Jesus talked about fasting. And he says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they're fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting. So what he's saying is, just do your normal routine of hygiene. Just don't look like you're all disheveled and beleaguered and everything. Just just wash your face, put oil on like you always do. That's what this. This is the same word. As part of the routine. When David's baby was sick, remember when he was fasting? And he's on the floor fasting, oh God, my, you know, my baby's sick. And then, and then finally when the, when the baby's gone and he, and David's done with that, in 2 Samuel 12 20, it says David got up from the ground, washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, and then he ate food. The, the word for put on lotions, that's just the same word. He anointed. It just says, he anointed. Um, this is just what they did. In 2 Samuel 14, 2, it says, dress in mourning clothes and don't use any cosmetic lotions. Same word. Don't anoint. This is the word used of the beauty treatments that Esther used before she went into the king. In Daniel 10, 3, he says, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine uh, touched my lips, and I used no lotions. I didn't anoint uh, at all for three, until the three weeks were over. So putting oil on your skin... It was part of normal hygiene, and it was a pleasurable, refreshing thing that they did in that dry culture. In fact, in Hebrews 1, anointing is connected actually with joy. Hebrews 1, 9, God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. So you might compare this to rubbing uh, some really soothing lotion or ointment on, on your skin, uh, dried up skin to make it feel better. That's kind of the idea. So I believe the anointing with oil, when they saw this, they, they would have thought of two things. It would have been symbolic for healing and for refreshment and renewal and restoration, which go together, right? Those two go together. And that would fit the word weary, that word translated weary in verse 15. He says the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. Uh, that word sick there is actually weary or discouraged is what that word means. The only other place that that word is used in the Bible is in uh, Hebrews 12.3. It says, consider him who endured such opposition so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's that same word. So it's the, the, the kind of weariness that's connected with discouragement. When the elders anoint with oil and pray, the Lord will refresh and renew and enliven the weary, disheartened, broken down person physically and spiritually. That's what it's saying. And I think the implication is that the elders' job goes beyond just prayer. And to also do what they can, I think that's what the, the rub them with oil, that, that do, it, do what you can to encourage, to revive their spirit. Now, if you want me to come over to your house and get some oils and give you a back rub, I don't know if I'm willing to take it quite that far just yet. But, but if you think about what a really good back rub does for you physically, 
And then you think, what would accomplish the same thing for a person's soul? Then I think we're on the track of what James is talking about here. Although I will say this, I do think there's some significance to the fact that what we're called to do here with the anointing involves touching the person. Right? You can't anoint someone without touching them. We're not throwing the oil on them. Okay? Squirting them with oil or something. It's, you, you're touching them. Uh, and in that culture, and in our culture, people generally don't like to touch sick people. Right? It's like, keep your distance. I don't want to get sick. And, and so, I think it's significant that touching is involved here. Think of how many times Jesus touched the people he healed. He didn't have to. He didn't always. I mean, he could, he could just think a thought and a person be healed. But very often he did. He, he healed a blind person, he touched their eyes. He healed a deaf person, he touched their ears. He would, the, remember the leper came to him and he's like, in that culture, leprosy, they literally wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. I mean, unclean, unclean, you stay away. Then one leper came to Jesus. He says, uh, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, filled with compassion, said, I am willing to be clean. And he touched the man. He didn't have to do that. Very often, when we encourage one another and we show warmth and love, appropriate physical touch helps communicate that love, especially for the sick. You know, if you're really, really sick, you're really hurting, sometimes you don't pick up on subtle expressions of love, but you can you, you notice when somebody touches you. You notice a gentle, loving, caring touch. It's the elder's role to refresh and rejuvenate the soul of a person who's become weak, weary, or discouraged. What a wonderful job description of church leadership. And what a great ministry for all of us to aspire to. Whether you're in leadership or not, we should all strive to do this for the weak among us. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build each other up. Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Can you think of anyone you know who might be in need of a word of encouragement or strengthening? Give a little thought to when and where you could make that happen as soon as possible. And beyond that, how about this question? What long-term change could you make in your life to become a more encouraging person in general? Maybe a change in your attitude, just becoming more optimistic and positive rather than complaining. Maybe a change in your speech patterns, the way you listen to people. Maybe memorize some encouraging passages of Scripture Make a routine of sending notes to people on certain occasions. Be creative. And make it a small enough change to be sustainable. Don't come up with some something that would require a major transformation of your personality type. Just something that takes advantage of the personality strengths you already have, utilizing the strengths God has already given you. And one other thing. Is there an area where your life is in need of refreshment? a renewal right now? If so, ask God for grace in that area and ask someone at church to pray for you in that area. Thank you, Father, for the people you've sent my way to encourage me at key moments when I've needed it. Please, use me to be that person for others. 
Show me how to use the gifts you've given me to strengthen people. Let your life-giving grace flow to many through me. Those who receive your grace are like a tree planted by streams of water, flourishing, healthy, strong, branches heavy with fruit. Their leaves do not wither. Their lives thrive like a well-watered garden. Whatever they do prospers. They spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. The person who receives grace from you will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. That's what your grace does to the human soul, Father. Make me the instrument you use to deliver that grace to my family, the people I work with, people at church, even strangers I run into today. Teach me how to use my gifts to be a fire hose of your life-giving grace. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.